We are through six weeks of the NFL season as we watch the Steelers and Seahawks wrap up Sunday night football here. I am Eric Smith, editor-in-chief at QBList.com, and I am joined by Mike Miklius, as always, for our Week 6 What We Saw podcast. Uh, it was pretty by-the-book week for the most part, other than some teams being hit by injuries, but uh, we're certainly starting to see the league separate a bit here. Um, you're seeing uh, one undefeated team left in the league, the Arizona Cardinals, one winless team, the Detroit Lions, um, even some of these divisions that that were you know tightly contested are starting to separate with the Cardinals and Rams six and zero and five and one. San Francisco is down to two and three. Uh, we're starting to see some separations in these divisions. I think we kind of know the good and the bad teams so far, and that has trickled down to fantasy. So I think this one was pretty bit by the book, but we still have some things to touch on here. Um, let's hand it over to Mike. Mike, what were your thoughts uh, overall on this week? Anything really stand out other than the games you're going to cover here? Yeah, not too much. Uh, some injuries, but nothing nothing too major. Just the Browns seemingly got hit super hard, but uh, we'll dive into that shortly. Um, otherwise, I was I was glad to see my team's uh, young guys really perform well. Um, the, it was a nice youth movement in Chicago, but we'll we'll get to that as we cover the Bears game. So. Yep. Yeah. And let's start it out with the injuries here. Um, it's hard to ignore what happened in Cleveland today. Uh, I mean, they got beat up pretty bad by the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Cardinals probably would have won this game regardless, but um, Cleveland is severely hampered now on offense. Um, they came into the game already with both offensive tackles missing. Um, and that had ripple effects across the offense. Baker Mayfield already had a shoulder injury. He leaves in the third quarter um, with a sh- uh, re re-aggravating that shoulder injury. He would come back into the game and then leave because it was a blowout. But Odell Beckham Jr. leaves with a shoulder injury. Um, Kareem Hunt was carted off with a calf injury. That was after Nick Chubb missed the game with an injury. So this Browns team is just decimated by injuries currently. Um, It's hard to give a whole lot of fantasy analysis here because there's a lot of talented players. It's a good running game, and you're obviously not going to start these guys if they're injured. But um, this feels like this could set them back for weeks here. So, Mike, is this the sort of thing where, you know, maybe in the past we'd be running to pick up Dearness Johnson or whoever the backup running back is going to be? But uh, we've kind of hit the point of no return here. And this is just kind of a stay away of an offense for now. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't recall how long Chubb is supposed to be out, but if he comes back, like he's obviously a huge, uh, a huge winner out of this mess because, you know, I think our thought always with Chubb and Hunt was if one goes down, the other one becomes enormously valuable. Um, I still want to get whatever running back I can here because we know this isn't a passing team. We know they don't really trust Baker completely. And I think it's on everybody's minds. Like, do they pay him when he, when his his number comes up or do they just move on and, you know, hope for the best. Um, I, I would be interested in whoever pops out here if I need a running back. So yeah, Dearness Johnson would be high on my list. Yeah, and I mean, these injuries happen late enough in the game where we don't really know um, how it's going to shake out. We didn't see a lot of snaps with the backup running backs in. So um, Nick Chubb, you know, there was some thought he was going to play this week. Um, They obviously did not go with him. And they declined to say if he was going to go on IR or not, which would be a three-week absence. We don't know if that's going to happen, but they hadn't ruled it out as of Friday. So uh, we got to keep a close eye on this backfield. I think it's pretty safe to say this passing game is not going to break out anytime soon, though, um, just with all the injuries to the passing game. Uh, Mayfield was sacked five times in this one. Again, offensive line, a big piece of that one. But, um, yeah, keep an eye on those injuries in Cleveland. It's really going to come down to um, how many of these running backs are healthy and then what this offense looks like overall because they got a short week here with the Thursday game coming up. So um, 
we had a couple more injuries for the Giants after they were hit hard last week. Andrew Th- Thomas, their left tackle, was injured, as well as Kadarius Toney. Um, anyone who trusted him after his big week last week, he uh, left very quickly with an ankle injury and burned you. Um, I kind of mentioned on the Sit Start podcast that I thought his range of outcomes for the rest of the year was pretty huge. Um, we've seen injuries and off-the-field kind of stuff from Tony. We've also seen really good play on the field and just right away, we get the bottom here from Tony. So he leaves with an injury. Um, and then another talented wide receiver, uh, Paris Campbell for the Colts. He catches a 51-yard touchdown. Looks like, hey, maybe things are finally happening for him. And he leaves with a foot injury. So uh, kind of a bummer to see Kadarius Tony and Paris Campbell get hurt here. Um, are you concerned with both of these players, just, you know, these re-aggravated injuries and just always seem to be on the injury report one way or another? Yeah, with Tony, I, I just don't see a reason for the team if he's, like, not 100% to rush him back. Um, he's looked good. He showed some promise. And it, the, the team is falling apart. Daniel Jones had a rough day. I think he threw three picks. Uh, we know Saquon's hurt. Nothing's going right here. This is a dead-end team. Um, if, I, if I was the team, you know, if I was in charge there, I wouldn't be putting Tony back on the field unless he's 100%. And even then, I'm going to take it careful because last thing you want is another young rookie getting hurt being a constant injury risk, just like Saquon's become. Yeah, and I guess he at least got you three for 36 on three targets. He was efficient with it. But uh, we saw Sterling Shepard, 14 targets, 10 receptions, 76 yards, um, with no Kenny Galladay, with with Tony missing. uh, Slayton was out. So we might be back to the Sterling Shepard here, um, Sterling Shepard show here. It's it's not going to be explosive plays necessarily, uh, but he's going to get a ton of volume. I mean, Dante Pettis got 11 targets. So they're, they're really running out of targets here in New York. And uh, with Saquon Barkley out for the time being, yeah, it, it's a mess. Tough game against Los Angeles, but uh, they, they were beat 38 to 11. So that was a rough one. Um, Tyreek Hill, um, he had a bit of a quad injury. I believe he played through for the most part. Um, they had that game in hand for the most part. Terrace Marshall Jr. from the Panthers um, left the game with a concussion, led to some uptick in targets for Robbie Anderson. Um, Damian Harris for the Patriots. Um, he was kind of limping during the game. He did finish the game, but um, he already had a chest injury coming in, so he's getting banged up. Um, Latavius Murray for the Ravens had an ankle injury left in the third quarter. They were blowing out the Chargers, so we'll have to see how serious that was. Um, he did look to be the best running back in this backfield, but it's also pretty split up in Baltimore. Uh, we'll touch on that later. Um, and then finally, Dak Prescott um, strained calf on the final play of the game, which was a game-winning touchdown. Um, he's going to be evaluated. We really have no idea right now. I would hope that's not a major injury, though, because that would have huge effects on multiple fantasy players. So um, any thoughts on any of those last injuries? That's really about it for the week as of right now and the players that are kind of scratched heading into the weekend. Yeah, with Damian Harris, I think people are going to look at that and say maybe this is the Ramondre Stevenson uh, week. You know, maybe he's going to finally break out and get his chance. I don't see that happening. I think they know Harris is their guy. And, yeah, maybe if he's nursing an injury, he's going to get a little less. Um, I, I just think there's a big difference between the two. Stevenson had a, a couple bad moments in the game. He had a, a blown block. Um, and it was it was one of those moments where I think Tony Romo was calling the game and he said something like, oh, man, there he goes into the doghouse. Like, this is going to be it for Stevenson. And he did come back into the game, but it was like, if he's making those rookie mistakes, we know Bill Belichick won't put up with that. And he'll very quickly be like, oh, Brandon Bolden's just as good. I'll just give him the 20 carries instead of Stevenson. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. I think Bolton finally saw a little bit of a decrease in usage. But, um, yeah, if Harris can't go or if he's banged up, it could be a shuffle all over again. So keep an eye on those injuries. Um, Let's hope nothing else pops up Sunday night or Monday night. 
Um, let's get into the winners and losers here. Uh, this one, uh, Mike, your first winner, a little bit injury related here, but as a player who certainly took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, so I, I said uh, Chicago had a bit of a youth movement today. The young guys look good. Khalil Herbert got his big chance, and I really liked him coming into the year when the Bears got him late. I was super excited because he's. I've heard him described as Dalvin Cook esque, not as good. Obviously, we're not going to go crazy here, right. uh, but but similar characteristics. And they got him in the sixth round. Uh, he looked really good. He looked explosive. He looked fast. He had uh, two touchdown runs. One of them from a yard out. The second one was about 16 yards out. They called it back on a phantom holding call. The refs were pretty bad in this game. There were a few calls that went against the Packers that were bad. A couple that went against the Bears that were bad. Um, he caught a pair of passes. He was the only running back with a carry. Um, and yeah, he just showed speed and explosiveness. And I, I think even decision-making that we don't see from David Montgomery. And unfortunately, if you have Montgomery, I think this is going to be a mess when he comes back. I think Herbert is earning himself a spot. I think Damian Williams is going to disappear, I really hope. Um, but, yeah, I think Herbert is muddying up this backfield because he showed a lot today. Okay. And I, I got a few questions on that. I will save it for when we go through that game a little deeper. Um, I'm going to get to my winner. Uh, may not be the most exciting pick in the world here, but I'm going with Mike Kosicki. Um, you know, he started out this year, I think three total targets in the first two games. Uh, it kind of looked like he was falling off the map, disappearing. I mean, even in dynasty leagues, I think there were reasons to worry. Um, but we've really seen him go through a resurgence. It was actually once Tua got hurt and then, uh, Tua Tunga Viola, but it was back again today. And I, I think it was really encouraging to see Gesicki have a big game. Um, he had eight receptions for 115 yards. Um, he has six or more targets in all, but the first game this year, 15 PPR points and three of the last four. Um, and yes, they were missing a ton of receivers. I'll get to that when I talk about this game more in depth. Uh, but, you know, 115 yards from a tight end, that's pretty rare nowadays. There aren't a lot that are going to get that for you. So Gesicki is an every week starter. Um, even with receivers getting healthy, I think he's going to be involved. And he's shown it across two different quarterbacks now through the first you know six weeks of the season. So Gesicki's on the way up. I, I think we were ranking him more like a tight end 16 a few weeks ago. And he, he's clearly back in the top 10 now. So you should feel good if you have Gesicki. Um, Mike, who is your loser from the week? I think this is a repeat. I had uh, at least one of this group last week. <laughs> yeah, there was a, this team had a rough go. I didn't get to catch this whole game. I saw the end. Um, but Sam Darnold and the Panthers receivers. So I, I had heard coming into what I saw of this game, which was about half of the fourth quarter and then overtime. A lot of overtime today, which was fun. Um that they were dropping a lot of balls and Darnold was 17 of 41, which is not a fun stat day. <laughs> you have 24 incompletions. It's it's that's bad news. Um, and at the little bit I saw, I saw at least four receiver drops and it was like, Whoa, like that was right on that dude's hands. And he just nothing. Um, and it was like, it was everybody. Chubba Hubbard had a drop. DJ Moore had a drop. Robbie Anderson had a drop. They were all over the place. Um, if you had Robbie Anderson, I mean, the stats look terrible. The touchdown kind of saved your day, but he had 11 targets. He's he's the kind of guy, we, I think we said this last week, he's the kind of guy I'm looking to trade for because if he's getting that volume, it's got to pay off at some point. Yeah, it's getting wild with Robbie Anderson. I mean, starting, uh, let's see, week four against the Cowboys, 11 targets, then seven last week, 11 this week, but it's translated to almost nothing. I mean, I, I think those 20 
29 targets altogether has resulted in under 100 yards total. So uh, he bails you out with a touchdown late. I agree with you. I mean, you know, he's the type of player you want to chase. You want to chase this volume, but three receptions on 11 targets for 11 yards, that's pretty miserable. Um, and that was kind of when we mentioned Terrace Marshall. Marshall left with an injury. That should open up more work for Robin, or Robbie Anderson. But, you know, how much does that even matter if he's going to be putting out these terrible stat lines? So, yeah, I mean, DJ Moore still leads the way. He did have a bad drop uh, to convert um, a first down. Um, Sam Darnold seems to be regressing. Uh, again, you can't fault him for the drops, but four sacks, a bunch of incompletions, um, losing a game against the Vikings that they could have won here. So um, his 48 yards rushing will kind of save you a little bit from a fantasy perspective, but uh, th- this offense is really plummeted. Um, I don't know anyone you're really trusting here other than DJ Moore and uh, maybe Ch- Chuba Hubbard as long as uh, Christian McCaffrey's out. Yeah, that that's probably about it. As I said, I would look at Robbie Anderson because if he's getting that volume, it, it, we know like law of averages, it's going to pay off at some point. But I was also looking at this team's record and just thinking, man, they lost to the Eagles recently close and the Vikings recently close. This could be a five and one team. Mm-hmm. And then they have games against the Giants and Falcons coming up. So like it wouldn't have been out of the question to imagine this as a seven and one team. And like all of a sudden they're basically locked for the playoffs, but they blow a couple close games against a couple mediocre bad teams and yeah, we see what they are. That's a fair point. And uh, the one clear loss was against the Cowboys. It looked awfully good. So, um, yeah, right. probably some some takeaways here that should be positive. I think it's a well-coached team, well-schemed. But, uh, yeah, Darnold, these pass catchers need to get on the same page here. Or there's just going to be a lot of questions about Darnold's long-term future, and that's never a good a good sign on the, on the offense. So um, let's get that turned around quick. Uh, my loser, uh, I'm going to stick with the home team here, uh, Tyler Boyd for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, they had a, an easy win against the Lions. Maybe we shouldn't read too much into it because they just didn't need to air it out a ton here. They won 34 to 11. But um, this is two straight weeks where he's the clear number three behind Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Um, he has eight targets and 31 yards combined over the last two weeks. Tyler Boyd does. And one of those was an overtime game against the Packers. Um, he was, he's never been a touchdown threat. He's never been a big play threat. It's just hard to see where he's going to get the volume as long as everyone's healthy here. Um, and even last week against the Packers, that was a bit of a shootout. So even game script hasn't really helped him. Um, they're running the ball a lot. They're getting the ball to those primary outside receivers. It's just getting hard for Tyler Boyd to be trustworthy in fantasy. So I think he's probably someone you drafted coming into the season, pretty excited about just be able to plug in whenever you needed to and not get a dud. And I'm not real sure about that after this week's performance. So um, would you be, I don't know, trying to buy low on Tyler Boyd or are you just as concerned as I am? (laughs) I was just going to actually ask you how you'd rank (laughs) him. I think, I think Boyd's a far three for me now. Yeah. Um, Because as you said, I, I never thought the talent was there. What I liked about him was the team invested in him. They invested a contract and he got, you know, he got receptions. And now it just seems like both are gone because there's just two options who are way better. So if we kind of throw out Boyd, do you see Higgins or do you see Chase and Higgins as a 1A, 1B? Or is it Chase is one and Higgins is two now? I mean, they both had six targets today, um, so they're both getting fed the ball pretty evenly. I, Jamar Chase is coming up with a big play every single week right now. It's pretty wild. He had a 53-yard reception today. Uh, I, I think Jamar Chase is a bit more talented than T. Higgins, but it is pretty close. So um, it's it's closer to 1A, 1B, I think, than a clear 1 and 2, but I am putting Chase ahead. He, he's outperformed Higgins for a few weeks here. So um, I, I still want to see this passing game look a little better. Um, even in a win this week, uh, there's some, you know, gripes you could have with it, but I do think Chase is the better player. So, 
Um, but yeah, Boyd, they're just they're just really not looking for ways to get him the ball over the middle, like like they were in that Jaguars game. It looked like he was breaking out, and uh, it's he's kind of fallen off lately. So they're they're kind of going outside the numbers a little more downfield to to Chase and Higgins, and I think that's just the style of offense they're playing here. So. Um, all right, and uh, let's get on to the snap counts here. Um, there actually were not a lot of surprising snap counts. You look at the scoring leaders this week, and it's pretty predictable. I mean, some of the ones who popped up are just kind of fluky, like Kenyon Drake got a couple touchdowns. So nothing super shocking here. Um, but I did want to call out uh, James Conner sees 41 snaps, Chase Edmonds 28. Um, Chase Edmonds was banged up, and Arizona played with a lead throughout against the Browns. So game script does kind of play into this with Connor and Edmonds, but uh, we've seen a few down weeks now from Chase Edmonds overall. I think we all like the talent. We like the offense. We like his, his pass catching and PPR, but I do think there's a little cause for concern here. So um, what do you think about this uh, Cardinals backfield? Um, are you panicking on Chase Edmonds here? Yeah, I would. I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I was never really on the Edmonds train. Um, it, it took off. Yeah, it took off without me. So, I, I like whoever's getting more. And obviously, as you said, this is a great offense. So I'm, I'm happy to use a running back from here. So if it's Connor, if it's Edmonds, whatever. Um, okay. Either one's good for me. It's going to be pretty much hot hand. And if Edmonds is still banged up, then let's just go with Connor. Yeah, so Connor, 16 carries, 71 yards. Um, you know, he only gets one catch for zero yards, though. No touchdowns. So PPR, you're not that excited. Edmonds, four for 46 on the ground. He had a long of 40. Um, but that was about it. He had three catches for four yards. So I think the concern for Edmonds is just it's a timeshare in the backfield. You throw in, you know, A.J. Green looking good, Christian Kirk looking good, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore. Like, there's just a lot of people to get the ball to, even in the short range. So that's the concern for me from Chase Edmonds. Um, I might consider buying low on him if I was in a tough spot in a league at running back, if someone's panicking. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know. I don't think we're just looking at every week RB one here. Like some seem to, this certainly has coincided with his shoulder injury, but, um, you know, Hey, that's going to happen from time to time and you need to be able to produce with it. So a little bit worried about Edmonds here, Connor, he's just going to be touchdown dependent. That's just the way he is. So, yep. um, yeah, let's go to, uh, Cleveland's tight ends. I just thought it was worth pointing out. David, David and Joku looked like he was going to have a breakout. You know, he had a breakout week last week, and uh, curious to see if he would continue that. Um, nope, not this week. Austin Hooper, 45 snaps. David Njoku, 25. Um, you'd think they could have used him a little bit in this game, but he just was not featured here. So uh, probably not a whole lot to talk about there. But just, you know, if you picked up Njoku, I think you're probably curious how many snaps he saw. Only saw two targets and one catch, so he can probably go back to the waivers here. Um, in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, uh, he was limited a bit last week, first game off of injury, um, but he had 45 of 72 snaps in this one, and that was even in a blowout. So it seems like Joe Mixon's all the way back. And then in Detroit, on the other side of the field there, DeAndre Swift, 49 snaps, Jamal Williams, 19. They were both banged up coming in, but um, either Swift was the more healthy one or Swift is taking over this backfield completely. So that was a pretty big discrepancy in snaps there. So um, I, I, there's really not much that I saw in the snap counts early on that was worth pointing out. It was pretty by the book, and the players you surprised saw low snap counts was just because they got hurt. So um, I think we can skip through that segment pretty quickly this week. Um, certainly, though, next week I would imagine we'll have a lot more to talk about there. So um, let's get into the games here. As always, uh, we're going to go through these games in a lot more detail in our What We Saw article at QBList.com. We've got a staff member writing up each game. Please check it out. Uh, we'll be in our fantasy football on Reddit uh, talking about all these games, answering questions. So feel free to jump in there and ask us as well. Uh, but Mike and I talked to, or watched a few games this week, and we're going to go into detail on these and just give you our takeaways from fantasy's perspective. So um, 
for Mike here, of course, we're going to start out with the Bears game. Um, we saw the Packers go into Chicago and get the win. Um, what did you see in this one? Anything changing from what you've seen the last few weeks on the Bears? Or are they getting pretty predictable at this point from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, I was I was impressed by the defense. Um, I, I wouldn't say the Packers offense had a bad game. I think the, the Bears defense had a good game. Um, cause we know what Rogers is. We know what Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams are like, we don't have to go too much into them. They're all superstars. You start them every week. They should run, you know, they should do what they want on most people. Adams last week was like 200 yards. Like we know he's just a monster. Um, but the bears did a good job slowing them down. Whatever their plan was on Adams, it worked because it took him a while to do anything. Um, and the Packers still kind of coasted with a, a slight lead and just kind of rolled with what they were given. Um, as far as the Bears, uh, they had—I would say—they had about three good drives in the game. The first drive, scoring a touchdown. Second drive, which ended on an interception, and then they had another good drive in the fourth quarter that scored. Um, Fields was looking a lot better. He looks like he's getting more comfortable. Rating-wise, this game was a little bit of a step back from the previous one, but he made some really good plays. He got in rhythm a couple drives and really just looked like. Like the quarterback we think he can be, you know, one of those elite talents, the Trevor Lawrence, the Trey Lance, the the Mac Jones kind of guys. Um, yeah, that's what I saw from him. Khalil Herbert, as I said, I loved what I saw from him. He looks excellent. He, I, I think he's better than uh, David Montgomery already. Personally, if I could keep Herbert, trade Montgomery, I'd be happy. Um, I love what I saw from him. Montgomery's good but he doesn't have a lot of pop. He doesn't have a lot of explosion and Herbert offered a little bit more in that realm. Um, Let me oh, jump sorry, in there. Ahead. So, no, yeah, I, I will get to the passing game here in a little bit. Um, it just caught my attention when you said that about Herbert and Montgomery. Um, I, I think what the big question now would be, uh, does Herbert have a passing game role? Um, he, you know, not much so far through a couple of weeks. He is a rookie, so that's understandable. Um, but, you know, if he's as good as uh, he's looked on the ground through these first two weeks, um, that's a, that's a huge first step. And now we just need some passing game work from a fantasy perspective. Do you, do you see skills there from Herbert? Um, is it just kind of rookie, you know, earning his way in the passing game and earning the trust? Um, maybe it's more to do with fields than every, anything. What are you thinking about Herbert as a pass catcher? Yeah, I think he can earn his way. I don't, I haven't seen a lot of fields throwing to the running backs yet. And to be fair, he's played mostly with Montgomery. who's not a great pass catcher. Um, I, I think I think Herbert will earn the role. The Bears were very high on him in the preseason as a pass catcher. And now, to be fair, today he had his first target was like right in on his hands and he just dropped it. I think he was a little nervous. So I say this and, yeah, it's ironic because he, you know, he futzed away his first throw. I think he can earn a role, though. Um, I, as I said, I think he offers more explosion and more he can do in space than uh, David Montgomery. So, Okay. Um, I will say tough schedule coming up from a running game perspective here. Uh, just looking ahead, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. I mean, that's a tough schedule for anyone, but uh, oh, yeah. especially the running game there does ease up after that though. But uh, no, that's really interesting to hear. It sounds like um, once Damian Williams comes back, this makes a ton of sense for him to be the third down back pass catcher and Cleo Herbert uh, between the tackles, you know, uh, kind of lean on type running back. So that'll be a really interesting to see, uh, especially if Fields can get this offense moving. Um, Fields did, for his part, run the ball a little more today, 40 uh, some yards rushing. Uh, that's good to see from a fantasy perspective, but the passing game's so low volume, it's hard to get too excited. So um, as far as, you know, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney in the passing game, uh, what are you thinking here going forward? 
Yeah, so I, I think a good question, I think we might have talked about this last week, was like how do we see Robinson versus Mooney? Is Mooney becoming the one or is Robinson still the one? Watching them, I think Robinson is still the better player. He, You can tell he, he knows how to play the position better. He's the smarter receiver, I would say. Um, like he knows how to run a route. He knows how to, to catch a ball in traffic. The thing is, he's, it looks like Robinson has lost some of his explosion. Yeah. Like he plays really well, but I don't see him getting open a ton. It feels like every catch he makes is a really tight window catch where he makes an amazing catch, but it's like, all right, it would have been great if he like found a few feet of space. So maybe it didn't have to be so tight. Yeah. Um, but that being said, he does make the great catches. Like he had a couple catches, one early on that I was like, I was shocked he made it because he had to barely get his feet inbounds. He had a defender pushing him out and he still somehow made it work. Um, so I'd still say Robinson is the, is the A, but Mooney definitely offers the excitement. He's, he's faster. He's got the explosion. He's younger. You can tell there's, there's future there. Um, and I think I put this out there. He's a guy I would put it like feeler offers on in this season and in dynasty. If I could kind of make the move for him now, because Robinson probably isn't coming back next year, you could get ahead of the curve on Mooney and people might not realize and think about it yet, but I think he's going to be the one here next year. So. Yeah, man. I mean, when you're mentioning that about Robinson, it kind of reminds me a little bit of AJ Green from the Bengals when you say he's just not getting a ton of separation. Um, I think Robinson is more of a contested catch receiver than AJ Green was. He was more of a deep threat, you know, separator type. Um, I do think Robinson can kind of transition to that stage of his career a little better. He's younger than AJ Green was last year for the Bengals, but that, that's kind of what we saw with AJ Green last year. Um, I will say it's been pretty ugly from a stat perspective for Robinson. Uh, only you know, two games over 50 yards this year, just one touchdown. I mean, I, I think it's pretty safe to say you could bench him if you, I mean, if you've got good receivers, I, I think it's safe to say you could bench Allen Robinson at this point. Like, I don't, I don't see a huge explosion coming from this passing game, right? It's going to be, it's going to be running when they can. I, maybe Tampa Bay will force them into it if they just have to abandon the ball like every other team does against Tampa Bay. But it's kind of hard to see like the 150 yard game coming from Robinson, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the other problem is, like, field strength so far looks like his deep ball. Like, he can really let it rip. And unfortunately for Robinson, I think he's the third best deep weapon on this team because I would definitely put Mooney first. And then Marquise Goodwin still has a lot of speed. Like, he's, we, we might forget he was an Olympic uh, – I think he was Olympic. He was, a, like, a U.S. track star. He's a fast dude. So if you're going deep a lot, Mooney and Goodwin are your guys, and Robinson will, will still eat because, I mean, he's a good enough receiver. He's going to find space. But we're counting on, one, this passing game to really wake up and reach its potential. And then, two, that Robinson comes along for the ride and everything works out okay. Um, I think it's worth mentioning here, too, that there were a couple other drives that were going well for the Bears. They just kind of fell apart. One of them, there was – so the, the defensive line was offsides. Fields saw it, and he decided to just chuck it deep and go for the free play. And the one problem was they never called the offsides. <laughs> So he chucked it deep. His receiver didn't go deep because he didn't. He knew it wasn't a free play, and a defender just sat there and waited and picked it off. Uh, and it, it, it felt bad because the drive was going pretty well early in the game. But like, yeah, a r- rookie mistake, something he's got to do better. Um, and the refs unfortunately kind of got their hands on this game. There was a Rogers play too where he threw a touchdown to St. Equinemia St. Brown. And they called it back for offensive pass interference. And there's like, I don't think he touched the defender. It was, it was pretty bad. 
Well, it's okay. We don't want any equanimity of St. Brown touchdowns for fantasy anyway. So. <laughs> All right. Well, before I move on to the Packers, anything to see on Colcomet four for 49 on five targets or, you know, just too many options ahead of him at this point? Yeah. I, I, honestly, it'd probably be game plan dependent. You know, like a team has a weak tight end defense or they're going to be taking away top options and Colcomet kind of becomes the guy. He's yeah. at least interesting in the streamer category yeah. because there's not a ton at tight end and, Okay, four four catches, forty nine yards. He had a couple of longer catches. Like that's interesting to me. So, yep. Then the Packers side of the ball. I mean, you touched on some of it, but uh, you know they only had to throw twenty three times, well twenty six times, including sacks, uh, twenty six dropbacks. Um, they carried the ball thirty one times. Even if you take out seven from Rodgers, um, they had a lot of rushes in this one. Uh, a lot of success from Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, kind of a surprise for me because I my you know, perception of this Bears defense is better run defense than pass defense. So what do you think happened here? Um, were there any injuries or anything going on? Or was this just like they kind of got on top of the Bears and they just couldn't stop them? Yeah, it, the Packers running game started off slow. I think Aaron Jones had about 30 yards at halftime. Um, he started warming up. He started really coming alive in the second half. Yeah, it looks like the Bears defense was getting tired. The Packers were kind of wearing them out. And, you know, you have a you have a team that the defense has to keep playing. Eventually they get tired and they just kind of fall apart. Yeah. Um AJ Dillon, I wasn't overall too impressed with. He had one really good run. He broke a 36-yarder, went on big hole, broke right up the middle. And I felt bad for Jones because Jones had like 10 or 11 rushes where just nothing would open for him. <laughs> and then Dylan comes in, gets the huge hole, and everyone's like, Oh, this kid, he's so big and so fast. He's a monster. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just kind of a war of attrition here. Um, I actually think Rodgers was probably the most impressive rusher on the team. He had a couple scrambles and one, one for a touchdown, one for a big first down early. Um, but yeah, nothing really changes in my mind. Dylan's stats look better than he looked. Jones is still the one Dylan is still the two or the three or whatever we want to call him. Yeah, man, Jones chipped in four for 34 and a touchdown uh, in the passing game. So that's what makes him pretty elite. So, yeah, I don't know. This just looks like an NFC North division battle. It was kind of, you know, kind of low scoring. Um, Packers will take the win. They're not too worried about putting up 40 points if they can win a division game. So, um, all right, I am going to move over. Uh, I have been watching football all day here. Um, I watched the Dolphins-Jaguars game in London um, early this morning, depending on what time zone you were in. And I got to see the Jaguars' first win of the year. Um, so congratulations, Urban Meyer. You you really deserved it. Uh, <laughs> not sure about that. But um, honestly, both of these coaches, I, I joked in Discord, uh, I think we could just leave them in London after this performance because it was not the, the greatest coach game in the world. But um, from Jacksonville's perspective, I was pretty impressed overall with Trevor Lawrence. I know you watched him last week as well. Um, I think he's more held back by the team here than it is his play. Um, early on, Trevor Lawrence was held back by offensive penalties and drops. Um, Dan Arnold dropped uh, a third down that would have easily been a first down and maybe a touchdown, at least close. It was a big drop from Arnold. Um, and then LaVisca Chenault dropped two pretty catchable balls back to back. I mean, they were mildly tough, but he should have caught them. Um, it was kind of interesting, though, starting at those two drops, they really kind of flipped the switch and started going after Chenault there. And, uh, you know, back half of the first half and then second half, they really started feeding him. He was not present at all early on. So um, if you have Chenault, that was encouraging. He ends up second on or tied for the team lead with 10 targets here, six for 54. Um, but he really, he started slow, but came on. Um, overall though, 
you know, this offense, like offensive line injuries started to add up, um, slowed them down late. Lawrence was sacked a few times. He should have got rid of the ball, but he makes some big time throws. I, I, he's a really good player. Um, he's got some growing pains to go through, but he, he needs the rest of this team to support him. Um, otherwise, in the pass catchers, like they were giving the ball to Jamal Agnew a lot. He's a special teamer, especially early. Um, he was featured early a lot. And then Marvin Jones started to take over down the field in the second half. Um, he had a contested catch touchdown. So I think the passing game overall is encouraging. I wish they would give the ball a little less to like the Dan Arnold and Jamal Agnew types and more to Jones and Chenault. But um, Arnold was pretty involved, the tight end. Um, Agnew's involved, Jones, Chenault. That's, that's really what it's going through in the passing game. So um, I, I think we all know what James Robinson is at this point. He's dominating the backfield. He had 17 for 73 and a touchdown, had three catches. He looks good. Um, if he was on a better team, I think he'd be having an even bigger year here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I came away pretty impressed with Lawrence. Um, after you watched him last week, Mike, does this sound pretty much what you saw from this Jaguars offense? Yeah, and I think we're seeing this from a few rookies. I, I, well, probably Lawrence and uh, Fields mostly, where you see a lot of promise, you see a lot of potential, and you just see there's going to be growing pains. Like, it's it's not quite there yet. We're a little bit spoiled in like the Mahomes and the Lamar Jackson just popping immediately. And like, okay, you don't have to worry about it. They're just amazing. Um, yeah, I think I think he looks like, as you said, looks like he's gonna be really good. It just might take a little bit of time, and maybe it's gonna take a new coach and maybe just a little more support from the guys around him. Yeah, I, I do think though, from a fantasy perspective, he's set up the best right now. Lawrence's. Um, I mean, he had 41 passing attempts today. He's throwing the ball downfield. He's taking pretty good care of the ball the last few weeks. Like this isn't like maybe Mac Jones checking the ball down a lot. This isn't, you know, Justin Fields where they're trying to, you know, ease him in and take some pressure off of him. Like Lawrence really is throwing the ball. He's making big time professional throws. Um, they just kind of need this offense clicking a little more, maybe figuring out what receivers they want to go to here. But um, I do think there's a lot of promise for Lawrence from fantasy's perspective as early as this season. So, um, you know, hey, if he's on waivers, you know, quarterback's pretty deep this this year, um, and he's on a bye this week. But after that, Seahawks, Bills, those are a couple interesting matchups. Bills are a really good defense, but he could put up some points and come from behind mode. So I don't know. I think good days are ahead for Lawrence from a fantasy perspective, and we'll see when it translates to wins because, um, yeah, I was not real impressed with the rest of the team in this one. <laughs> so – uh, let's get over to the Dolphins side of things. Really disappointing loss here for them. Um, this was Tua Tungabailoa's first game back from injury, and he actually looked really good. Um, he was recovering from rib, a rib injury, um, didn't look limited at all. Um, he was actually throwing the ball downfield in this one pretty well, um, and he was scrambling, looked healthy, riding the ball, uh, picked up some first downs. So I was overall impressed with Tua. I think what's going on with this offense is – it seems like they're getting nothing after the catch. Like it's just, they take some shots downfield, they catch it. The receivers are, you know, contested catch, get tackled um, or short stuff kind of at the sticks, they get tackled, but they're really not making a lot of like after catch plays, which I think they need in this offense. It's very like scheme dependent. Like, you know, they're, they're, you, it's obvious who two is going to go to on a lot of these plays and they're just getting nothing created off of these. So that was the big um, issue I saw with the passing game, but uh, they were without Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Preston Williams in the passing game. So Jalen Waddle was featured heavily, um, 10 catches on 13 targets for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the 70 yards on 13 targets isn't real exciting, but um, they were feeding him the ball, scored a couple touchdowns, um, had a great day from a fantasy perspective. So 
Um, I was a little down on him coming into this week, just to his first game back, but um, he kind of passed all the check marks here with Tua looking good. Um, and Waddle was the wide receiver four for the week. So, um, you know, I, it feels a little volume dependent and I worry that it's going to flip, but I guess we've got to trust Waddle here, right? I mean, this is a couple games now where he's had 10 plus targets. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask, because uh, it sounds like you saw more of this one than I did. Um, do you think the problem with the receivers not getting much run after the catch, do you think that's a game plan thing? Or do you think it's on the quarterback? Or do you think it's on the receivers not making the plays they could? Like, who? what's the reason that they're, they're not getting more, you think? Yeah, I think it's primarily just there's not a lot of separation. I mean, especially today without – uh, Fuller, Parker, Williams, um, you know, it's a lot of otherwise outside of going to uh, Jalen Waddle and Gesicki. Um, Gesicki's not great after the catch, really. Um, Mac Hollins is catching the ball. Durham Smythe is catching the ball. I think it's more on the receivers, maybe the play calling. Um, there's just not a lot of players catching the ball wide open. You know, there's not a lot of guys catching the ball on crossers with 10, 10 yards to work. So I think it's a combination of the receivers and the play callers. But even you look at, I mean, Devontae Parker, he's not known for his separation. I don't think Preston Williams necessarily is. Uh, Will Fuller could take the top off and get some big plays, but they really need to get Waddle the ball in space a little more. Um, I, I, so I, I put it maybe half on the play calling, half on the players, but they were certainly um, hamstrung here with with the limited options. So I would say that. Um uh, Miles Gaskin did not help himself here. He caught two of six passes, um, only for five yards. He had at least one drop. Um, and Gaskin seemed to be early on, like the featured back, um, looked like we were back to the Gaskin of old. Um, he lost a fumble that the Dolphins recovered. Um, but I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but it was like full blown timeshare after that. So 25 snaps for Malcolm Brown for the game, 25 for Gaskin and 19 for Ahmed. So that kind of factors into what I was just talking about before. Like when you're giving 25 snaps to Malcolm Brown and 19 to Ahmed, like it's just not very explosive players. So um, yeah, to answer your question in a long way, I just think we're lacking explosive options and the play calling is not really scheming them open either. Yeah. This, this backfield looked like kind of what I think I said last week, which was like miles Gaskin is just a guy and Salvin Ahmed is just a guy. and Malcolm Brown is just a guy. So any given week, let's stat line like this isn't going to surprise me where we see five ca- five carries for Gaskin. And it sounds like the fumble impacted it, but it's like, all right, if his position is that tenuous, if they think that little of him, that a mistake, and it's like, all right, you're gone. Yeah. Then he's just not a guy I'm really interested in. Yeah, and it's discouraging. Like Malcolm Brown played the one-minute drive at the end of the first half. You know, like it'd be one thing if we knew Gaskin was always in on passing downs, but it just seems to be a rotation here. Um, nothing in the running game. Um, I mean, they ran for 77 yards as a team, um, but Tua ran three times for 22 yards. So that was 55 yards on 17 carries for the Dolphins' backfield. So this is a pretty discouraging loss to Jacksonville. Their defense did not look good. That might have been the most discouraging part. But, um, yeah, they they need Fuller back. They need Parker back. I do think um, Waddle, he looks good. If you have him in Dynasty, you should be pretty happy, um, even this year. And, and really, Tua looked good. I wouldn't put this on Tua necessarily. So, um, they just, I don't know. They just need a different element to this passing game right now. And I'm not sure how they're going to get it. So, um, I'll, I admittedly have not seen a ton of dolphins games this year, but it was just kind of a stagnant offense from what I could see. I mean, even like fourth and one, they did a run, I think it was fourth and one, maybe third and run one, but they did a run out of shotgun. They got stuffed to, to Malcolm Brown. That was just pretty predictable. So, um, yeah, they need some changes here in Miami, but 
Uh, you know, otherwise, hey, they're both one and five. It was a London game. It's it's kind of what you expected it might be, but it, it was relatively entertaining. At least we got a couple fantasy relevant performances here. So um, let's go on to a much more exciting game. Uh, Mike watched quite a bit of the Cowboys and Patriots. Cowboys won 35 to 29 with a walk off touchdown. Um, let me know what we missed in this game. Yeah, so uh, the the ending of this game was really. Uh, it was just really crazy. Uh, New England had the ball up 21-20, and time was, you know, getting short. It was. It felt like, oh, this is New England. They're going to kind of just sit on this thing, wear out the clock. They threw a pick six, so Dallas took the 26-21 lead. They went for two and missed it. Then New England gets the ball back, and Mac Jones basically immediately going after the same cornerback he threw a pick six to, throws a touchdown of like 70-plus yards. Now New England's up. Dallas kicks a game-tying field goal with, like, 20 seconds left in the game. Goes to overtime. Dallas wins it with a touchdown at overtime. Uh, New England had the ball first. They just couldn't do anything, and then Dallas just ran it down their throats. Ended with a C.D. Lamb walk-off touchdown where he kind of held the ball back, taunted a defender, and the defender then just tackled him a little late. But, you know, nothing nothing too crazy. Nobody got hurt, so it's good. Um a lot of what we saw from this game isn't going to be too surprising. Dak Prescott had a huge stat day. Dak Prescott also made some mistakes, threw a pick, fumbled. Um, the typical game for him, I would say. Really, really gaudy numbers. But you still see some things where you're like, oh, don't do that. Uh, the running game here, Zeke looked good. Unfortunately for him, he lost 10 carries to Pollard, and Pollard you know, turned that into 41 yards of Zeke had that workload, he'd be the monster we used to know him as. But it's clear, like, as we've said before, Pollard has is here to stay. He's going to take a chunk every day. And for the Cowboys, you know, they want to get Zeke to the playoffs healthy. They want to get Pollard to the playoffs healthy. That's their big concern. It's not, does Zeke get, you know, 1,500 or 2,000 yards on the season? That just probably doesn't factor in at all anymore. Um, receiving game, Lamb was the big winner. 11 targets, nine receptions, 149 yards, two touchdowns. So even before that walk-off play, like if we wanted to wipe that one out and say, what if they'd never got to that? He still had a really good day. He didn't really need that play. It just kind of buffered things a little more. Um, what's interesting here is the other weapons for Dallas are becoming harder to trust. Specifically, I want to mention Amari Cooper. Um, his target numbers have not been good. He's been averaging about five targets a game since week two. And that's not receptions. That's targets. That's that's a really low number. Like, you would imagine in this Dallas offense, he'd be just eating. But, yeah, he's he's kind of becoming an afterthought. He had five receptions, 55 yards today. So, pretty good, actually. Eight targets. But, like, the games before this, yeah, there just hasn't been much for him to eat. And... It, Lamb is really the special talent here. I mean, I think we all know it. I think we all knew it coming into this year. It was just a matter of time before he just showed it. And this is the kind of game I'm expecting from Lamb moving forward, like the big number one game. And then Cooper does something behind him. Maybe every so often he kind of bounces up and has a little blip here and there. Yeah, and I mean, the eight targets for Cooper, that, that sounds great. But Dak threw 51 times here. Um, C.D. Lamb had 11 targets. Dalton Schultz had six. Zeke had nine. That's really encouraging for Zeke going forward. Yeah, even Cedric Wilson had seven. So, I mean, when you look at eight in that perspective with 51 targets, it's not 
uh, a crazy number. And that's how you kind of see him disappear in games where they're not throwing 51 times. So, um, yeah, I mean, if Dak's going to go 36 for 51 for 445, he's going to have decent games. But you would hope better than five for 55. So, yeah, I think Cooper's getting um, – you can still play him. He's still a solid player. He's going to have blow-up weeks. We know how Amari Cooper is. But um, he may not be that locked-in, like, high-end wide receiver, too, that you would think he would be in an explosive passing offense like this. Yeah, totally. Um, moving on to the New England side, Mac Jones looked really good. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him as a rookie. I think I think we were all a little low on him. I think there was a couple, probably a couple too many dad bod jokes about him, and <laughs> we're all realizing, like, all right, he's, he's legit, like, if you gave a Jets fan the truth serum and said, all right, would you trade Zach Wilson for Mac Jones straight up right now? I bet a lot of Jets fans would say yes. I bet they would be hard to not say yes to that because Jones has just looked really good and you have to worry like, oh, the Patriots just stumbled into another one. Um, he started out seven for seven, was really sharp early. Uh, I don't know if he had an incompletion at halftime. I think that was the thing. Um, and then he – Slowed down a little bit later, but he was still looking good, make, not making many mistakes. And he threw the big touchdown late. That kind of statistically made his day. Uh, it was a 75-yarder to Kendrick Bourne. So before you get excited about Kendrick Bourne, it was just kind of one big play. Um, as far as the backfield, I was getting excited about Damian Harris, and then, of course, he gets hurt, and now he'll probably just not even touch the ball next week. He was limping during the game. He did finish the game. But I think we mentioned he was nursing an injury from the previous week. Now you throw in, you know, a limp this game, and it, it wouldn't be surprising to see Belichick just kind of sit him or not play him much and let him rest, but then not say anything to anybody. So we just think he's going to play. Um, yeah, behind that, there's not much in the pass catchers here that I want to trust. Jacoby Myers is probably the closest thing to a reliable receiver here. And then I think Hunter Henry is the closest thing to a tight end I'd want to use here. Henry's on a bit of a hot streak. He's got a touchdown in three straight games. So he's easily somebody I could stream and, you know, hope for the touchdown. And if it hits, we're good. Uh, otherwise, that's about it on the Patriots offense. I think things are looking up for them. I'm, I'm excited to see where Mac Jones is in a few years. Even now, that few years is probably harsh in, in a year or two because um, I think he's developing fast. But, yeah, that's about what we saw here. Okay, and I think I'm a little higher on Damian Harris than you. Obviously, we've, we've got to see how healthy he is. That's going to be big. But um, if you take out these disaster weeks, uh, week three and four against New Orleans and Tampa Bay, who have really tough run defenses, but you take those out. I mean, his lines are 23 carries for 100 yards in week one, 16 for 62 in a touchdown week two. Um, last week was 14 for 58 in a touchdown. Um, and then 18 for 101 in a touchdown today. Now, I mean, he doesn't get hardly any passing game work. Um, he's going to be touchdown dependent for sure. Um, he's done this against some easy teams, Miami, the Jets, Houston. Um, so it takes some of that with a grain of salt. But I do think with the way running back is, Damian Harris is a pretty good play most weeks. We just got to see if, if he's healthy. But I, I don't think the blow-up's coming just because, like I said, he doesn't catch passes. But, you know, you're probably a pretty good bet for 60-plus yards and a touchdown most week for him. And, I mean, he looked good in this one, right? Like, he, he's a talented runner. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a good runner. And to your point, they have the Jets coming up next week. So as far as easy matchups go, that's that's a pretty tasty one. Um, no, yeah, I, I, not to give the wrong impression. I like Harris a lot. I'm just worried now with the injuries, how bad it is versus what we know about it. If I, if I knew he was completely healthy, he's totally the guy I want here. Okay, yeah, that's fair. 
Um, all right, let's move on to a pretty shocking uh, score here. Chargers lost 6-34 to in Baltimore. Um, I picked the Chargers to win this game uh, by the spread for our uh, beat the spread column. So this is definitely not how I saw this one coming. Um, I think the Chargers were three-point underdogs. I just figured, hey, give me Herbert with the ball in his hands late to either win it or, you know, get a garbage time touchdown. Uh, we'll, we'll cover the spread. But, no, the Ravens blew him out. Um, and, honestly, this was one of those games where – uh, the Chargers, the Chargers have a bad run defense. They could not stop the Ravens on the ground, um, and they just couldn't get the Ravens off the field. The Ravens had the ball 38 minutes to 22 minutes for the Chargers. Uh, they just, they just didn't have the ball enough. When they did have the ball, um, they failed two fourth down conversions on their own half of the field, um, and it was just a mess. They just, they just couldn't keep the chains moving. They couldn't keep the Ravens from moving the chains. And these games are going to happen sometimes. But I do think the Chargers' defense is becoming a little bit of concern. They were already one of the league's worst run defenses. And that it was kind of a smart strategy overall that Brandon Staley's going with. Like, let's stop the pass, um, force teams to run the ball. That's what he did with the Rams a lot. It makes sense in today's NFL because passing games are so good. But um, when you're giving up 38 carries for 187 yards and you can't get the ball back, it just doesn't work. So um, they need to adjust the strategy a little bit here for sure. Um, wouldn't panic too much on the Chargers here, though. Uh, Mike Williams was banged up, so only played 20 snaps. Um, Keenan Allen, 51. Guyton, Jalen Guyton played 41. Josh Palmer, 29. Um, just nobody stepped up and made plays with Mike Williams limited here. Um, only five targets to Keenan Allen. Um, Williams had five. The other receivers just did nothing. Um, it was just a lot of targets to like Jared Cook, um, who's just at the point of his career where he shouldn't be leading your team in targets. He's more of a red zone guy. Um, and it was just the Ravens were bringing the house. They were putting pressure. Um, they were confusing Herbert. And it was just kind of a lot of like contested catch one-on-one plays to someone like Jared Cook, who's just not going to come down with it a lot. So um, I wouldn't overall be concerned. It, it was a little worrisome that Keenan Allen only sees five for 50 on five targets with Mike Williams limited. Um, they kind of it took them until in the fourth quarter to get them two straight catches and kind of get them going, and it was just too late at that point. So it's hard to tell on the you know on the TV film if this is a scheme thing or what. But um, it is a worry that Keenan Allen didn't have a bigger game with no one else to go to. But otherwise, I wouldn't worry too much about Eckler here. They were just so far behind; it was hard to get him involved, and he still had four for forty-eight through the air. So. I think overall, it's just one of those games you forget if you're the Chargers. Um, I guess the main talking point for me, like I said, would be um, is Keenan Allen kind of not the wide receiver one we once thought? Um, do you have any thoughts on Keenan Allen? He's, he's been solid every week, but maybe not the blow-up weeks we would hope with this offense. Yeah, it's it's weird because he's been reliable for so long. Like We've, we've known we can just trust him year after year. Um, since those first two weeks, we're really like – his target numbers have looked good this whole season. Yep. So as, as far as the targets go, yeah, this stinks. And it's hard to explain with Mike Williams getting hurt and slowed down why Allen didn't eat more. Um, but I'm, I'm not too worried about it because Allen's target numbers have been there. He's put up the yardage the first couple weeks. Uh, I, I think it's going to come. I think he'd be fine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be a believer because you know that the good has been long enough to outweigh the little bit of bad. Yeah. That being uh, said, it does stink. Yeah, I would agree. They just need to, you know, get something going other than um, Herbert making crazy, you know, downfield passes to Mike Williams here, whether it's Guyton or Josh Palmer or 
Parham Jr., the tight end, Donald Parham Jr. Somebody's got to step up and become another option to keep defenses honest. And most defenses aren't going to be as good as Baltimore, though. So I, I would not be overly concerned. But this was a dud all around for your fantasy team. If you had a charger, Herbert only 195 and a touchdown. Um, just, you know, he was just pressured a lot, just thrown to receivers that had someone draped all over him. Just not a lot of open options here. So uh, hopefully uh, this is just a one-week flip. Um, Ravens side of things, um, Latavius Murray was hot early on, um, on the ground and through the air. He actually caught a couple passes on the first drive and finished it off with a touchdown. Um, looked all set that it was, you know, Latavius Murray lead back for the Ravens. But, um, on that opening drive, they also gave up big runs to Devonte Freeman and to Devon Duvernay on end, end around. So, um, it was kind of everyone who was running the ball for the Ravens was looking good. Um, they rotated in, uh, you know, Devonte Freeman and Le'Veon Bell to a good degree here. Um, Freeman ends up nine for 53 and a touchdown Latavius nine for 44 and a touchdown Le'Veon Bell, just eight for 18, but he gets a touchdown. And then of course, Lamar Jackson runs for eight for 51. So this was really a team effort here, but, um, you know, Latavius Murray left in the third quarter, um, with an ankle injury. We don't really know how, uh, how serious it was, but I think this backfield is full blown committee. Um, I don't think we can trust them other than they have a good shot at a touchdown. Uh, so that's going to mean something in standard leagues. But PPR, I'm not exactly sure how much upside there is for this backfield. And this was without Tyson Williams playing. He could be active in play next week. So um, I, I just I don't think there's much to see here with the running game. Um, would you be willing to take a, a shot on any of these guys? Or, I mean, are they worth a bench spot? Like, what are you thinking about these running backs in Baltimore? Yeah, I think only if I'm really desperate. Um it, this feels like a really poor man's version of the old Ravens backfield we knew, where it was yeah. Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and uh, wow, I'm blanking on the rookie, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins. That's right. Um, I was I was just kind of buying time saying the other two names first, hoping I'd remember <laughs> it by the time it came up. Yeah, but then, like this just feels like a poor man's version of that. Like if I told you Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell were splitting up backfield this year, you'd be like, all right, I don't want any part of that. Um, with, with how running back can get, yes, there's some value with them, but I would not feel very good starting any of these guys here. Yep, and even if Latavius is hurt, like I said, they'll bring someone else in and rotate. I, I don't think it just you know narrows right. down to two players here. So um, Otherwise, in the passing game, I mean, the Ravens were just marching down the field every drive. Um, not real gaudy numbers here because they had some short fields, um, but, you know, uh, Lamar has a pretty good game, 51 yards rushing. The passing numbers aren't great. Uh, he did look better than what two interceptions and three sacks will show here. Um, he did have one bad interception where he didn't see a defender. But otherwise, you know, Lamar looked good. Uh, Mark Andrews has a good game. Um, this was Rashad Bateman's first game back, um, and they gave him 44 snaps. In comparison, Marquise Brown had 52, Devin Duvernay 33 or 34. So um, – Bateman was really involved for his first week back off injury. He had six targets, which was tied for the team high with Mark Andrews, one more than uh, Marquise Brown. Um, Bateman didn't drop a pass that was picked off towards the very end, but otherwise he looked good. I think the arrow is up for Bateman. We'll see how he gets, you know, put into the offense in a game that's a little more competitive. So um, I, I think if you've got him stashed, keep on stashing him. Um, should just get better from here for the rookie. Uh, Marquise Brown did barely miss a touchdown or else it could have been better, but he just goes four for 35. But again, in this game script, it was a blowout. Um, it's hard to expect too much from this Ravens passing game. So um, really not a ton else on this team. Um, I, we're going to see Sammy Watkins back next week. 
uh, most likely. And I, that's going to be interesting to see if Bateman still gets used this much or not. But um, it's going to get a little more crowded in this passing game. But with as good as Lamar's looked at times, um, he may be able to spread the ball around a little more than in years past. So just keep an eye on this passing game. I don't know much is dependable other than Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown from week to week, but um, I, I do think it's looking up compared to previous seasons. So um, are you interested in Bateman or um, are you mainly just Lamar, uh, starting Lamar and, and, and Mark Andrews and sitting everyone else? Yeah, it's it's Lamar, it's Andrews, and a little bit Marquise Brown. Um, I feel like he's had a pretty good year so far. Yeah, I know. I know. I've seen some big games from him. I I traded for him in one of my dynasty leagues, and it, it felt good seeing him start hot because yeah, uh, he's had touchdowns in four out of six games so far, um, and five touchdowns total. So yeah, I, I like him. I like what they're doing with him. I think he's the most reliable weapon on this team right now. Oh, maybe not reliable. I think he's the best weapon on this team right now. Um, everybody was really high on him, like, I feel like a year and a half ago. And then we all just kind of faded because we didn't trust the Ravens offense. Um, I also think it's funny that if you kept everything the same in this stat line and you just flipped the scores and the Chargers won 34 to 6, we'd be hearing those, has the league figured out Lamar Jackson comments from everybody <laughs> that they yeah. seem to want to say every week? Because everyone's just like waiting for him to fail since he doesn't know how to like pass reliably week to week. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like I said, with Hollywood Brown, I mean, he had a touchdown go off his fingertips. I think the other game he didn't score, he dropped a couple. So he's really been a good player. I don't. I, I think he's still going to have a role no matter what happens with Bateman. Bateman didn't do anything this week that like wowed you or just forced targets going forward. But again, first week off an injury as a rookie, um, I, it was really encouraging to see him tied for the team lead in targets. So yeah, overall, it was just a, just a demolishing of the Chargers. Um, but it's a young team on the road against a tough Ravens team. But I, I think the biggest takeaway, Ravens are not dead. <laughs> they they have struggled through some wins and looked pretty rough at times. And they're they're five and one overall for the year. So Ravens are going to be right there at the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, that, that wraps up all the games that uh, Mike and I really dove into. Um, overall, again, like if you look at the the weekly leaders, I mean, it's a wide receiver uh, this week, Cooper, Cooper Cup and CeeDee Lamb and Adam Thielen and Waddle. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones gets in there with two long touchdowns. One was a Hail Mary. So, like, it was a pretty uh, by-the-book week for the most part. So, um, let's hope that we avoid injury, like I said, up top for the most part. Um, Mike, any last thoughts on this week? Any, uh, you know, fancy performances you're particularly happy about on your rosters? No, I don't I don't think there's too much else to say. I, my, my lasting thought on the Chargers is they'll be fine, and they're a good team as long as they don't have to face the Ravens, the Browns, or the Titans. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, three teams in the AFC right now really love to run, so it could be a bit of a landmine field for them come the playoffs. Yep, and I will note, note that uh, J.D. McKissick had a pretty good week as Antonio Gibson missed some time with injury. Um, I I don't know if we really got into that up top, but I, I think he's going to see a lot of work. He had 10 targets in this one. They were playing from behind. But if Gibson is going to miss time, that's been a nagging injury. Uh, McKissick's got to get a lot of work. They may just shift some of that running game onto the passing game. So um, keep an eye out for him. But otherwise, a lot of the normal names up to the top of the running back ranks this week as well. So uh, check out the What We Saw article at QBList.com for more details. We'll be at Reddit tomorrow. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy the rest of week six, and we will talk to you uh, Monday night on what we saw from the Waiver Wire podcast. So thanks for listening.